0: You're listening to the Audacious Church podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. So here goes. The year was 1977. A boy no older than seven years old was attending his Baptist church for his that day's evening evangelistic movie night. The boy went to the church and sat in the front row. And as he watched, the team put up the screen, the reel, and the camera. And then the movie started. But unlike previous evangelistic meetings, this boy was not watching a movie, but he was watching a crusade that happened a year a year ago in Hong Kong. This young boy who wanted to watch this movie was crushed, but then he didn't want to go back. He wanted to watch what was happening. Very soon, he watched a man preaching on the screen. He looked like Moses, but without a beard. It was Billy Graham. And as he watched, he was enthralled by the message and the messenger. What happened next just blew the boy away. He was flabbergasted as the man gave an altar call. You come, come, come down, 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 to the front, front, front. That's how Billy Graham's stadium crusades are. He was blown away by the crowds and the thousands that were coming down from the seats to the front of the stage. And there was a stirring in the boy's heart. And the boy said a simple prayer. Only a few words. He says, God, use me. That's all. God, use me. And the boy left that day, went back to his home and forgot all about the prayer. But the thing is this, he may have forgotten the prayer, but the God he prayed to never forgets a prayer. And the boy left, lived his life as any boy at that time would have lived. He played and enjoyed himself. And soon, a few years passed. A few years later, the same boy was in the same Baptist church sitting in the same pews and he was singing in the service. It was nine o'clock in the morning and the sun was shining through the panel window and the glory of the sun was just touching his shoulder. The boy was singing one of his favorite hymns. He was singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning I shall rise to Thee. Early, early, holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three person, blessed Trinity. As he was singing this song, something began to stir in his heart. He felt a presence that he has never felt before. And this boy didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, a body of water began to swell and fill his visual cortex. But the body of water could not be caught, contained in his visual cortex. It began to burst like a bursting of the dam and began to cascade down his cheek to the chin and he fell on the pages of a hymnal. This boy didn't know what to do. He could not control his crying. And this boy tried to wipe it away, but nothing happened. He couldn't understand. He couldn't know. He couldn't fathom what was happening at that point in time. This presence, this emotion, this feeling, this cloud that was surrounding him. It was the Holy Spirit introducing himself to the boy. Fast forward 40 years later, the boy is standing in front of you and he's preaching to you. This morning, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Before I talk about the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you something. I've come to tell you that if you want to go deeper and stronger, it's not just knowing the who, but experiencing the who. I want you to know, you understand, you know God by reading the Bible, but He's not just understanding, but He's experiencing God every single day of your life. I want to tell you this morning that something is going to happen. Some of you are going to come out from your shell. Some of you are going to experience something in your life. If you allow God, if you build altars in your life, and I promise you, if you build the altar of prayer, and the altar of seeking God without an agenda, He will become real and He will turn up in your life and show you how real He is. (laughs) I want to tell you God wants to break some curses over your life. God's want to bring some healing over your life. There's going to be an overflow of the anointing of God. I believe with all my heart, this year, audacious, there's going to be a stirring in the church. But before there's a stirring in the church, there has to be a stirring in your life. So if you have Bible with me, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. I hope you brought your Bible. If you did, yeah, 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 okay. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. This is the first book of the Bible. The second verse introduces the third person of the Trinity. I want you to understand, He's not the third wheel, He's the third person. He's not two and a half God, He's completely God. You know, we have relegated the Holy Spirit to the sideline when we need to to have Him in the middle of our church. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, in the second verse, it was hovering over the water. It was like a hummingbird, just hovering over the water, about to do something in that space. The Hebrew word for stirred or stirring or hovering is the word panim. Panim means favour or countenance or presence or face. It's two-dimensional. In this understanding, there's time and space. In time, this is what the Bible says about panim. Panim refers to the split second before and the split second after. He is the God that sets a parenthesis in between time. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is always around you. He is about to do something in your life. He is the ever, ever present need in your life and He wants to do something. In terms of space, it's split into right in front and right behind. Right in front and right behind. He's always around us. He's for us. He's singing songs of deliverance over us. I want to tell you He's your banner when He's in front of you. He's your support when He goes behind you. He's a God that wants to be there for you. A.W. Tozer said this about Panim, and I want to read it. It says, God is above, but not pushed up. He's beneath, but never pressed down. He's outside, but not excluded. He's inside, but not confined. He's God above all things presiding. He's beneath all things sustaining. He's outside all things embracing. He's in all things filling. He is Almighty God. He's God most high, God more Yeah, I want you to know, He's bigger than you could ever think. He's closer than you ever can imagine. He's the God that wants to be with you 24-7. He's right beside you. He's behind you. He's around you. He's above you and He's inside of you. He is the God that wants you to experience God. I want to tell you, you may be going through a dark period in your life. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit right now is hovering over your life. He's hovering over every arena of your life. He's hovering over your pain, your hurt, your sickness, your illness, whatever it is. He's hovering over your hopes and your dreams. He's hovering just to do something. And the moment you say, Holy Spirit, come. He comes. See, too many of us can't experience God because we've got agendas before God. And if you got an agenda before God, that agenda sometimes becomes God. And that's the scary bit. But God says to you, come and seek me with all your heart and you will find me. That means you have no agenda but the agenda of God to find God. And I promise you, you will experience God. You will experience His power. That's the first few verses of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 7, the Holy Spirit breathed life into man. He breathed the Spirit of God into man. And I want to tell you, it is not just a man taking life into his... I mean, it's not God just breathing life into you. There are so many things happening to you every single moment of your life. Do you know right now, with that one breath of the Holy Spirit... Causes us to inhale and exhale 23,000 times a day. There are five liters of water that's running through your veins right now. 100,000 miles of veins, capillaries, and arteries. You got to imagine you are not a byproduct of evolution. There's sex trillion thoughts that are happening in your mind every single day. And I want to tell you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. For one purpose, that is to experience God in your life. And He wants to introduce Himself to you. Genesis chapter 31, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is anointing a man called Bezalel. Bezalel was the high priest at that point in time. No. He was a craftsman, he was a designer, he was an interior designer. And God was anointing this guy. You know, the difference between you and me, the anointing is this. If you don't have the anointing, it's the best you can do. But when you have the anointing, it's the best that God can do. And I want you to understand, God wants you to be the very best in basket place. See, we've we've relegated the anointing to a church thing. It's a Sunday thing. It's a pastor's thing. The anointing is for you every single day of your life. It's for you to experience God all the time. It's for you to shine in the marketplace. It's for you to be the very best. And the Holy Spirit wants you to do better in life than ever you can, ever. But here's my point. Church, are you tapping into the anointing of God? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you, to empower you, to live the life that God has called you? Just the first two two books of the Bible, there are another 37 books of the Bible but we can't cover it all. So let's jump to the New Testament. The New Testament, the Holy Spirit is healing, delivering, filling, empowering. He's revealing more and more of himself to each other. Listen, Billy Graham said this. In the New Testament, if you take 10% of the Holy Spirit out, 90% of the church will not work. And the problem is this. In the modern church, if you take 10% out of the Holy Spirit, the church will still function with the 90%. And we will not know the better. And that's the scary bit. We've come to church and we go through the motion of Christianity but never really allowing the Holy Spirit to stir us again. If you come to church and you have not lost your voice, you have not shouted and praised and screamed enough. If your legs are not aching, you have not jumped enough. If your hands are not swollen, you have never clapped. And the funny thing is this, if you read the gospel in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was actively present in church. You know, we says, oh, we have to be theological in church. I think most of the time when we say that we are logical without the theos. And that's the scary bit. I think we have come to a church where we are so professional that we go through the program sheet and I said, Peter Wagner one side once said, that he was in his church and there was a program sheet and they stick to the program sheet. In my church, there's only one program sheet. We have a program sheet. And then there's Pastor (laughs) Saras. When Pastor Saras comes, nothing. Forget about the program sheet. I will run it. If it's late, too bad. You can stay back. If it's early, thank you. I've got a game to watch. (laughs) Peter Wagner said this. And he was in his leaders' meeting and before first before the service and they saw the program sheet and they went through the program sheet and one of the guys prayed, God, please do something other than whatever is in the program sheet. And I think sometimes we need to allow God to do something in our church. We have substituted powers with program, empowerment and eloquence. We have a lot of hype but no encounters. We have relegated the Holy Spirit to the sideline we have tidy theology, but truncated experience. And the worst part is this. There's a gap between our theology and our reality. We read the Bible and we see the God of the Bible doing miracles and doing this and that. And all of a sudden we look at life and nothing has happened. And the bigger the gap is, the bigger the angst. And we get so frustrated. And the problem with frustration, once frustration sets in, after a while the frustration becomes the reality. So we read the Bible thinking only happens then, never now. So I need to challenge you, church, to come to a place where you can experience God. Immediately after the encounter, the introduction to the Holy Spirit, I didn't know the Holy Spirit was touching me. I grew up in a Baptist church. Baptist church has great formula in the name of the Father, in the, power of the name of, pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Perfect formula. Nobody understands how it works. And I was like, I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. I mean, who is he? So I went up to one of my leaders in my church. This is one of my leaders. And I told them just what happened. I was crying uncontrollably. And then the teacher, the leader looked at me and said, "Sarahs, sometimes we get emotional in worship. I was thinking back as I wrote this sermon. Who in the world gets emotional about theology? <laughs> That's how bad it was. Nobody explains to me. And then I, I went thinking, yes, I'm emotional. I thank God, God was still looking for me. For the next five years, I have no serious visitation of the Holy Spirit. Understand this, my first, your first encounter with the Holy Spirit is an invitation to have more encounters. If God touches you now, it's not just for one time, He wants to touch you more. If He heals you once, He's gonna heal you for the rest of your life. He's a God that can do it now and can do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I was 16 years old. I was playing guitar in my room and my parents didn't know that I, I didn't. I didn't want my parents to know I'm singing circular songs. So I decided to sing Christian songs. And the only reason I sang Christian songs was because I wanted the girls in my church to look at me. <laughs> there are three types of musicians that gets the girls: the singer, the guitarist, and the drummer. The keyboard and the bass are there for, for support. <laughs> They're just props. So I was was in my room and I was playing guitar, and the whole purpose was not to worship God. I was singing, As the Deer Pants for the Water D A B minor G E A D. And as I was singing, I was not worshiping. Please understand, I was not worshiping. I was singing. And as I was singing, as I came to the chorus, a presence came into my room. And all of a sudden, I knew this presence. It was like Darth Vader saying, I sent something, a presence I've never felt before. And that's how it was. I knew there was something about this present, and all of a sudden, I was 60 years old, 16 years old, I realized this was God. And I felt it was like a cloud invading my room and I, at that point in time, I knew it was God. So I got down on my knees and I began to cry. I don't know why God likes me to cry whenever he visits me. Even this morning, he likes to do that because I'm thick, because I'm funny. <laughs> so he needs to put some tears in my eyes before he, I tell jokes. And I was crying and, and I was 16 years old. I didn't know what was happening really. So I got down on my knees and began to confess all my sins. I confess like everything, like what happened five years ago, what happened five minutes ago, all my thoughts, everything. I even confess things that I have not done. <laughs> but the presence was pure. It was real. It was something that I could not explain. And I felt so good. And I knew at that point in time, I wanted to live life, the life that God has called me. And I was in the presence, not for a minute or two, When I opened my eyes, it was two or three hours. And all of a sudden, I realized this God is so real, so good. So I tried to live my Christian life the way He wants me to live. The problem with that is if you're living your Christian life with your own strength, you are going to fail as a Christian. He's given to you to empower you to live the life that God wants you to live. Why are we not tapping? Why are we not living with the Holy Spirit? Why are we not getting engaged with Him? Talking to him, allow him to talk to us. He was designed, he is here to help you live the life that God wants you to live and live it successfully. Stop trying to live your life with your own strength. You will never, ever make it. I tried really hard. As the years passed, I was unsuccessful. And then one day, something happened. I began to backslide because... Of a thing that happened in my life. And then I told God, God, because you took this away, I'm never going to be a Christian. I thank God. Sometimes God doesn't respond immediately. He allows you to just do what you need to do before He gets you. And I backslided and moved far away from God. I was doing all the things that you should not be doing. And I was enjoying doing it. But inside, deep inside, there was a longing for that stirring. That was a desire to experience God. You wouldn't believe it. One point in my life, I may not look like it, but I was a DJ. (laughs) In a club, the real DJ, not the fake ones that they can mix and their hands are up in the air. If you go up in my generation, if you mix and your hands are up in the air, you get sacked. And I was, I was so far away from God and I, was, I just didn't want to do, I, don't, I didn't want anything. I didn't want to live, I didn't want to enjoy life. And then after a series of events, I lost everything. I lost my room, I lost my car, and I lost everything. And I decided to move back to my parents' house. And my parents are pastors. My father is a pastor of a Tamil church and I, I just don't like Tamil people. I'm Indian, by the way, if you can't tell. So I, I didn't, didn't want to go to their church, and I didn't want to go to my church, and I wanted to just stay home and so they can feed me, and I can live my life and think what I'm going to do next. And all of a sudden, they decided they're going for a church camp. And I didn't want to go for the camp, but I had to. Because if they go to camp, I have no food at home. If I have no food at home, I'm not going to enjoy my life. So I went to the camp reluctantly. And I tell you, I don't like Indians. Last time. And God has a very funny sense of humor. God, I, he has a weird sense of humor. That's, that's what I say about God. His jokes make no sense sometimes. But when you look back at it, it's kind of funny. When it's happening to you, it's not funny. So I go to this camp and there's an Indian guy from India preaching. And he was preaching. And I didn't understand this. My Tamil is good, but not that good. Okay, So I was like he was preaching, and at the end of the sermon, he gave an altar call. Then all of a sudden, tears began to flow down my eyes, and I didn't know what to do. So I hid behind a pillar. You can hide from God. Now, And I was standing behind the pillar. Tears were flowing down my eyes, and I realized this is God. So I decided to pray. I said, God, if it's really you... If it's really you, my father was standing in front. If it's really you, make my dad call me out. So I was crying and my eyes were filled with water and I was looking out. Blurly, I could see my dad looking at me. I walked out. And I experienced God like never before. Like a cloud came over me and I was bawling my eyes out. And then everything stopped. I went back to my dorm and I was sitting in my dorm and I was trying to figure out whether this was real. So I decided to make a very dumb prayer. A dumb prayer is this. God, if it was you, do it again tomorrow. (laughs) And you got to understand this. I was like, okay. When the morning service, I was sitting down there. The pastor was preaching. I didn't understand a word he was saying. I was not even really focused on experiencing God. They started to worship and I was standing there and all of a sudden I started to cry. I started to cry and I was bawling my eyes out and so I said the prayer again. God, if it's really you, ask my dad to call me out. (laughs) Till this day, from that day, I've been experiencing God in my life. And my invitation to you is this. Church, There needs to be a stirring in our lives. There needs to be a stirring in the church. There needs to be a revival in the church. If you think God is just there for you on Sundays, then you don't know who God is. You are called to experience Him 24 7. And I want to tell you, there's a stirring that's about to happen in this church, and this stirring is going to cause you to rise up. The last couple of years, there's been a shaking in the world. There's been shaking in the church. But I want you to listen very carefully. Whenever there is a shaking, there's a stirring. Whenever there is a persecution, a revival is waiting to happen. I want to tell you, in time, in the Bible, there are two words to describe time. One is called Chronos, The other is Kairos. When the Chronos meets the Kairos, something happens. You are counting up. God is counting down. When the two meet, revival happens. So I want to challenge you to get into that place. And I believe God has been shaking the last couple of years. And this recession that we're going through is a shaking. It's a shaking of false security, false identity, false assumptions and false narratives. God is shaking false idols and ideology. And He's shaking many people's confidence. It is not about you, it's about Him. It's not what you can do, it's what He can do through you. And if we can get to that place, I promise you, we're going to see something happen. In that midst of that shaking, my church went into a bigger facility, which was kind of crazy. The last couple of years, we've been experiencing God like crazy. Like he- God shows up. People come to church and people get slain by themselves in my church. One of my girls, I was praying on, church, on stage for this person and that girl fell. And I was like, I'm not in tune with God. I think Audacious, it's your time to rise up. It's your time to pray, to ask God to visit your church. We don't take our cues from the world, we take our cues from the Almighty God. And what He's speaking over this church is very, very powerful. We don't put our trust in horses and chariots, we put our trust in the name that is above every other name, at His name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. We are putting our trust in God. The sermon is called Stirred, Never Shaken. What do I mean by stirred? Stirred is this. Stirred is means that we are rising above the rhetoric and the living according to the standards of God. Stirred is this. Giving God the veto power. Stirred is operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. Stirred is obeying the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, if you do that as a church, the church begins to explode and experience God. The first chapter of Haggai says this and I'm going to end in about five minutes. I got eight, so one minute for prayer hopefully. God confronts the people and tells them, hey, the reason why you're not having enough in your life is because you're not building my house. You got to understand this. At that point in time, the only way they can connect with God was through the temple. And so God comes to them and says this in Haggai chapter 1 verse 13, then get Haggai The Lord's messenger gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Somebody I am telling you today, I don't know who God is saying with you, I am with. I am with. Look at somebody and says, The Lord is with you. The Lord is with with me. Frederick Douglass says this one and God makes the majority. One in God makes the majority. Then he moves on to verse 12. He says, Then Zerubbabel the son of the son of Joshua, the son of... Z- blah, 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 verse 14. <laughs> so the Lord stirred the spirit of Zerubbabel the son of Shittil, the governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Zoharach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Almighty God. See, you got to understand this. When the leaders get stirred, the people get stirred. When the people get stirred, the community gets stirred. If there's a revival in the life of the leaders, there's a revival in the life of the church. If the leaders pray, the church prays. If the leader reads their Bible, the church reads their Bible. And we impact the world. And God is saying to you, get stirred. Stirred means this, excite the courage, animate the zeal, awaken from sleep, arise to action. Stirred, excite the courage, animate the zeal, awaken the sleep, and arise to how you slice it and dice it. It's a call to action. See, you can't sit back once you're stirred. You can't stand back once you're stirred. You want to experience Him more tell my young people in my church, guys, the Holy Spirit is not for all people, it's for you. Yeah. Yeah. Young people, if you have the presence of God and you're carrying the anointing of God and you're being stirred by God, I promise you, culture cannot cancel you. Culture cannot cancel what God has awakened. So I want to tell you, it's time to get into the presence. I'm calling every single person, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman in this season, every business person, every career person, every student, every mother, every father, every grandfather, every grandmother. It's time to lean in just a bit. He's just a whisper away. He's just waiting like Genesis. Chapter 1, verse 2. He's hovering. And He's hovering because He wants to do one thing. Like Genesis, chapter one, chapter 2. He wants to breathe life into you. He wants to awaken what is dead. Animate what is failing. He wants to do that. But more than that, He wants to do What he did in Exodus, he wants to anoint you. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.